Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Shihan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Shihan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Shihan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Hello and welcome to Kuden. Uh, it's been it's been a couple of weeks since we've uh, had had our program. Uh, we've had to been dodging flus and scheduling conflicts and everything else, but we're here and we're back. We are here. And <laughs> if you're not here, well, then you're listening to the podcast, and so good. That's right. If you're not well, here, you don't know you're not here, and too bad for you. <laughs> yes, you know what the guys say that come in for the seminars and all that because you know we try to. We try to video record everything, right? But sometimes it just doesn't make it. Somebody's so wrapped up in, or like my cameraman is so wrapped up in trying to learn a technique that I start teaching something, and he doesn't make it over to the camera to get things, uh, get things on, or um, uh, I don't know, where the angle's just bad, or we run out of memory on the camera, or whatever. And um, uh, Mr. Whistler and a couple of the guys will just look over and go. Well, they wouldn't miss it if they were here, would they? So, uh, you know, it's the same thing with our with our podcast. Uh, you know, and, and you've been with me for a long, long time. I mean, so you know how many uh, how many uh, or what types of emails I get from people that you know just think that I'm just um, uh, not doing enough. I had one guy tell me that uh, I should be available whenever the students are available internationally, right? So basically, what he was insinuating was that. I'd, don't need to sleep. Uh, I should be Johnny on the spot for him based on his time zone, and um, that would have been I don't know, like 3 a.m. for me. So, um, <laughs> and I said, right, and you work for your employer 20. And this is somebody that's not paying me for training, right? This is somebody that just wants it all for free and that kind of thing, right? Oh, so, of course. Yeah. Anyway, I saw a really good um, uh, podcast actually. There's one that I follow, and it's a it's a, a business consultant uh, that I follow. His name is Dan Locke. He's also a, like a kung fu practitioner. Um, huh. so he lives in Vancouver, Canada, and he just started a new branch on this thing. Uh, it's called uh, I don't know Boss and the Bentley or something like that. And it's it's these little uh, snippets that he records. He answers questions while he's uh, you know somebody else is driving, but he answers these things that people send into him while he's either on the way to work or on the way to a business meeting or something like that. And the sure. one that I caught was about getting a mentor. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to uh, rehash the whole thing, but it was brilliant and spot on. And I think I'm going to provide the link for everybody um, to see how many people we could piss off with that one. Excuse my language there, Steve. <laughs> I apologize right? uh, to you and all the pygmies down in New Guinea and whatever else uh, Larry the Cable Guy says. So, anyway, uh, yeah, it's all good. So, uh, I'm feeling better. Are you feeling better? I'm good. I, I'm I'm dodging sick people left and right. Right. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, using copious amounts of Purell and hand washing and isolating myself from everybody as much as I can. <laughs> well, I got, I got over things fairly quickly. What I did was I went out and got one of those uh, half-gallon bottles of uh, – uh, what is it called? Simply, uh, simply orange or something like that. But they make a grapefruit juice. Uh, oh. That's no, it's not from concentrate. It's you know all natural that kind of thing, right? And I chugged half the bottle the first day, and polished the rest of it off uh, over the course of the next two days. So uh, if you know anything about how much vitamin C is in grapefruit juice, um, yeah, I uh, slammed my system with uh, yeah. vitamin C. And, uh, toss some extra zinc in there for for uh, good measure and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, I got over it fairly quickly. Um, some nausea held on, but uh, you know, just got to do what you got to do, right? Sometimes that's the universe just telling me that I need to lay down and stop for a day or three uh, because <laughs> I don't. My my mantra is I'll sleep when I'm dead, um, which is not the same mantra 
as a lot of these folks I keep talking about that keep contacting me and wanting more and more stuff for free, and here we are doing another thing for free, and where are they? Not here. So, yeah. um, you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. So. Well, right. as uh, we've had a couple of weeks off here, there's uh, much to discuss, and you know we already have a question that we can get to here in a bit. But I uh, thought we'd go over maybe a few things. Uh, most recently, uh, this month, you you had your Daikomiosai celebration, so that's always accompanied by a really cool weekend of lessons and training. And I uh, was yeah, hoping to kind of get a little there. recap on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, the video will be available. Uh, as soon as we Yay. get processed, so Yay. Uh, all my uh, long-distance students, uh, well, not all of them, but uh, the Platinum Plus group uh, gets uh, access to that, and everybody else can get it at a discount or whatever, but um, uh, we're past the pre-order uh, time, so if you didn't get the notice on the pre-order uh, for any of my seminar things, um, uh, you missed it, sorry. Um, once it's out, once it's done, and we have to put a whole bunch of extra work and time and effort, and I have to throw a bunch of money at it, then uh, uh, pre-order discounts go away. So anyway, what kind of recap do you want? Do you want to know well, what just uh, what kinds of things were covered. What can people look forward oh. to uh, if they weren't there and they're getting the video, and what can they look forward yeah, to? Yeah, well, this one we covered uh, several small handheld weapons. Uh, we specifically hmm. focused on the Shuriken, the Shuko, and the Jute, right? Um so uh, everybody knows, you know, Shuriken, right? Ninja stars. Uh, yeah, no, we, we did the spikes as well. Uh, and then the Shuko, uh, the hand claws, right? Um, and uh, what else did I say? The Jite, right? Uh, everybody, what everybody calls the uh, sword catcher, right? Uh, but the focus was on uh, first understanding the background and history and development of the weapon uh, and the biggest, uh, I have my notes in front of me, that, the things that you wanted to cover, so I got a little cheat sheet on this side. Um, <laughs> one of the big takeaways that the students had was that none of these things were developed as weapons per se uh, hmm. at all. Okay, So, uh, you know, the, the uh, Shuriken and the, both the uh, Hira Shuriken and the Bo Shuriken, right, while there are conflicting stories, right, and the, the case could be made that, you know, since man picked up a rock and threw it, there have always been projectile weapons like this, and then it was just a matter of kind of shaving things down. But if you think about um, ancient Japanese history, uh, it had been, you know, you'd have been killed on the spot if you'd been caught with one of these weapons walking around. I mean, mm. if you think that, that the U.S. or whatever country you live in has uh, strict penalties against certain uh, types of weapons or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I think the heading is, uh, you know, kind of extreme. So, uh, and, <laughs> you know, while there could have been this thing, right, uh, the, what's known as a kukinuki, right? It sounds really funny in English, right? Kukinuki, right? Which means nail puller, right? That was the Hira Shuriken. Uh, it was also used as kind of a, a washer, a button kind of thing uh, for like joints, joists and things. Right, um, but uh, the bow shoot again were just nails; they were spikes. Uh, and again, people need to do their history or, or understand these things. Otherwise, they start making assumptions, and then assumptions lead to just bad information. Um, but you know, nails way back in the day didn't have heads on them um, because they didn't have claw hammers. Claw hammers, you know, the, those two things go together, like. Um, you know, jigsaw puzzle pieces, right? So mm -hmm. if they didn't have that, they needed something to be able to pull one of these spikes out um, if it was misplaced or if it was being replaced or whatever. So uh, the kukinuki, the, the uh, uh, nail puller, was designed so that it could be both pry one of these spikes that were bent over to hold maybe another one of these washers in place, right, um, to, to hold things in place, it was bent back and uh, not straight, straight, but you know, bent up, so they could slip yeah. the center hole over it, turn it at an angle, and then you know, work this thing out. If you've ever tried to do that, they had amazing hand and arm strength. Let me just say, hmm. right? Uh, the shuko, the hand claws, were again. Here's another one of those things where it was a farming tool uh, used on togapshi. Uh, be, uh, because the, the primary 
building material up there besides wood and paper uh, way back in the day was this really long kusha grass that grows up there. Uh, you've been up there, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know. So um, it was just once this stuff is baled or, or put into, you know, big blocks or whatever, then um, these things were just slipped onto the hand to help snag this stuff and carry it around, right? Saved your yeah. fingers from getting torn up. Um, so then, it, so what we're really looking at here is a carpenter's tool and a farming tool being pressed into use at some point, right, um, as a projectile and or, you know, grappling kind of weapon. Um, and then from there, then the weapon development and refining process took over. So that was mm-hmm. a huge takeaway. Um, one of the biggest aha things was when we were looking at the jite, uh and taking a look at the fact that it it also was not developed as a weapon, right? Um, it was actually a a, uh, a symbol of status used by hmm. uh, people in certain levels of government, right? And the little prong on there was just uh, it was slipped into the belt or into the sash into the obi, and the prong was just to keep it from falling out, right? Uh-huh. Um, and then we took a look at not just that, but also how it was used by um, uh, Tokugawa-era police, right, uh, both as a – now it was developed as a sword catcher, you know, truncheon, kind of a <laughs> steel nightstick, right? Uh, right? But it was also used as an investigative tool, right? Did you know hmm. that? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, you know, they come across a body that the, the – uh, the means of death is not readily apparent, right? So there's no stab wounds, there are no slashes, there's no strangulation, nothing like that, right? Hmm, what do we do? Well, uh, poisons were really big back then, right? So the jite, uh, police officers' jite, especially for the investigators, uh, was often tipped with a bit of silver. And then what they would do is they'd stick the silver in the mouth of the corpse and uh, the the poisons that were prevalent in the day, uh, if they were there, if the person died of poisoning, it would turn the silver black. And uh-huh. so early CSI stuff. How about that, right? That's so, cool. you know, then we, we just we took a look at, you know, using these things, different, you know, different techniques and all the cool stuff people show up for. But I think the biggest takeaway that people had was that, you know, instead of getting all caught up, in how many weapons we have or what different types of weapons we have or the coolness of the weapons. You know, from a ninja's mindset, if you want to if you want to go to an arsenal of weapons based on the same developmental process or historical process that uh, all these quote-unquote cool things went through, then go to your local hardware store and go back into the gardening section um, and start taking a look at stuff back there, right? Or go over to where the nails are and you know, whatever, right? So all you're looking at are tools uh, of, of whatever, you know, fashion, right? Garden rakes, hose, ice chippers, whatever, right? That uh, were pressed into use and then eventually developed and refined further to become weapons. So that was the big focus for this year, uh, which was really about, you know, um, we wanted to focus on some things that people thought were cool, right? Uh, but yeah. at the same time, uh, it's kind of like our Mikio training, right? There, there's always two sides to things. And, you know, if you look in the sutras and you look at the the official lessons, right, there's this grand universal reason for doing things, okay? Like the lesson that you never blow out a candle or blow out the flame on incense, you fan it with your hand with a gentle fanning action until the, until the uh, flame goes out, right? So the, the universal reason or the grand enlightened reason is uh, it's about doing just enough and not imposing your force or will uh, on the world, right? Not going overboard, right? Uh, but the mundane reason is, is if you blow out the candle or you blow out the flame on the incense, you blow ash and wax all over the altar, and then you have much more cleaning to do. So uh, there's always the, the mundane and the grandiose always go together, right? So it's the same thing with this, right? Are they weapons? Yes. Were they developed as weapons? Yes, but not originally, 
right? So the whole idea is to help people get their head around the idea that anything around them could be pressed into use as a weapon, so they need to start, uh, they, they need to go back to those original five weapon classification, uh, uh, or those five weapon categories that I gave them. And that's actually how we started the weekend off. We looked at the five weapon categories. So everything is either a bladed, a stick, a projectile, a flexible, or a combination weapon. So uh, anything that you could pick up, anything that's around you, right? The trick is how do you use that thing, right? Um, especially if it's light and flimsy, right? How, how would that be used? I don't know. Give us some thought. Okay. Hmm. So anyway, that, that was the... There you go. That was the uh, recap of Daikomi Asai. <laughs> that is cool. That and that cool. add that in the Japanese dinner that you missed and, you know, the great time that was had by all and, you know, some sake and some Japanese beer that I had. And, you know, whatever. It's always better to be there. Of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, you know, kind of kind of building off of that, you know, one of the things I, I thought we'd kind of talk about a little bit were, like, what would be, you know, the modern day sort of, of of what you're talking about, but perhaps, you know, kind of like, uh, I think I called it like the ninja's daily carry, you know, <laughs> what would be, what would be something, you know, fast forward to modern times that you should kind of have on you for, for different purposes. You know, one of the examples I think I tossed out as we were talking about this before the show was, was, you know, I know you mentioned before about, uh, you know, pocket change. You always got pocket change. It's a, it's a great, form of uh, Mitsubishi uh, site remover, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, what are some other ideas, little things like that, that uh, you could kind of say, these are good uh, These are good things to have on you every day because they fit into these different uses if need be. Yeah, well, I think, you know, coincidentally, if we look at, um, if we look at primary weapon types in the ancient world and then bring it forward just in general, right, um, and we stick to the strategic, tactical mindset of looking at categories of weapons or classifications of weapons and not a hard, fast thing, right? Um, we see that, coincidentally, ironically, whatever word you want to use, um, they're exactly the same, right? Because if we think of ancient Japan, uh, the long-range weapon, right, was a projectile weapon. It was the yumiya or the, the bow and arrow, right? And then the mid-range weapon was the sword, right? And then the close-range weapon was what? I'm sorry, the mid-range weapon, I'm sorry. The mid-range weapon was the spear or the halberd or the long staff, and the short-range weapon was the sword, right? Uh So, uh, yeah, so if we fast-forward to today, what's our long-range weapon? Firearm, right? right? It's still a projectile weapon. Now, the case could be made that it's also it could be a combination weapon because you could use it for bludgeoning or whatever. But we'll, we'll state it. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, projectile thrower. Okay. Hmm. And then the mid-range weapon, right, is a club or a hondo or a cane. Uh, yeah. Chris is probably smiling right now because he almost never doesn't have a cane with him. Uh, he's <laughs> like my dapper hand in the dojo. Anyway, uh, so canes, you know, that kind of thing, right? Um, and then your close-range weapon is a knife, right? So you still have your projectile weapon as your long-range weapon. You still have a stick or staff-type weapon as your mid-range weapon, and you still have a blade as your close-range weapon. So if we think of uh, this, uh, to answer your question, if we think of today uh, or we think of ancient world with, you know, the ninja running around and and typical weapons that people think of uh, when it comes to the ninja, right, we've got, Mm -hmm. you know, a sword, right? We have... um, uh, a throwing kind of thing, right? Shoot again, throwing stars, spikes, whatever, right? And then, as you said, we have this, like, blinding powder or trickery kind of things, right? They could have been yeah. small needles blown from the mouth. It could have been uh, one of these little boxes uh, that were held in the mouth that were charged and loaded with uh, Mitsubishi, whatever, mm. right? But if we just think of these little trickery kind of um, distracting, dissuading kind of things that would allow them to get away, we can convert to the same thing today, right? So uh, I almost never do not have a clip knife on me of some mm-hmm. sort, and sometimes I'm carrying two, right? So uh, because I, I think you know if, I, if I'm in a if I'm in a survival situation, 
uh, I think I've covered this before, but if I'm in a survival situation, I want to have, um, and I'm, I'm reduced to having minimum things with me, then I'm going to have, at a minimum, I'm going to have a knife and I'm going to have a uh, trash bag that is uh, an unnatural color. Right? What, what mm-hmm. I mean by that is one that you don't find in nature. So either yeah. a white one or a <laughs> Bright yellow or uh, something. Bright yellow or blue ones or whatever, I'm not going to have like a lawn garden bag that's like, you know, dark green, right? <laughs> so, uh, and that's yeah. because I can make a shelter, I can make a poncho, I can do, I can do water collection, I can do all kinds of stuff with this, right? Um, a knife is just a good utility thing. Sometimes, though, because now with air travel and all that, I can't carry a knife, then at their bare minimum, I've got a trash bag with me, right? Which sounds really, really odd as a survival kit, but it is what it is, right? So if we go to the what should every ninja be walking around with, well, um, I have a clip knife. I have a belt on, right? So I have a flexible mm-hmm. weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a metal shot. Well, I have at least one uh, in my briefcase. I've got three more. But in my coat pocket, in my whatever, I'm, I've got pens, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean like the cheap plastic bend as soon as they, you know, touch something firm kind of thing. I mean, I've got, you know, um, metal shank pens. Uh, so I have something that could be a replacement for a, uh, a an Edicobo uh, stick. Uh, or mm-hmm. what some people might call a kubaton or a yawara stick or whatever, one of those handheld things, or bow shoot again, right? And I always have change in my pocket. I'm the guy that will pay with a larger bill to get smaller bills back, and that's because I always have to get iced tea for my wife on the way home. And so <laughs> I have this stash of stripper money, I mean ones, up above my, <laughs> up above my visor <laughs> so that I always have that and can pick that up along the way. Um, that's just because there isn't one between her work and mine, so there is or her work and home, and there is between the dojo and home. So anyway, yeah. so uh, <laughs> but that gives me change, right? It's it just it yeah. puts change in my pocket, right? And uh, you know, so those kind of things, right? So uh, larger coins can be used like shudokin, right? And just coins in general can just be tossed, right? So, uh, and for those people who are freaking out, like, ah, oh, throwing my money, if it, you know what, if, one, if um, throwing some money to distract somebody, if that money is worth more than your life, then you have a priority problem. If that's all the money you have, then we have a life mastery problem, okay? Hmm. And I know that's going to irritate people, too, but I was once hmm. there in, as well in that kind of state, and I had some teachers that, you know, kind of reminded me that, you know, uh, the modern equivalent of the ninja, if we think of legend and myth and all that, is James Bond, right? Now, imagine James Bond not flying somewhere or, you know, taking his taking his car somewhere or whatever and having to chase down a bad guy, but he gets there three days late because he had to take a greyhound and he gets off the bus all disheveled and rumpled and wrinkled and all that because he slept on the bus and, you know, whatever. Okay. And I get it. We have to do what we have to do. But, you know, often people want to do big, grand things that require a lot of extra resources, money, time, all that kind of stuff, when maybe what they need to focus on more is in how to elevate their their state. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, again, that's going to piss people off because – I don't understand their circumstances, and yes, I do. So uh, I'll, re- I'll uh, repeat the words of, a di- of another teacher who said, be careful when you think that your situation is unique because the more unique you think you are, the more average you are because hmm. everybody thinks their situation is unique. Right? <laughs> right. So, and it's not, right? It's not, okay? Uh, so, yeah, so I, I nice uh, flexible weapon, belt, that kind of thing, right? And if you sometimes I'm not wearing a belt. I mean, it's it's uh, summertime or whatever, and I'm wearing shorts, right? But I still have a flexible weapon on. It's called a t-shirt, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I still have weapons that I can throw. They're called shoes. They're, you know, there's always something. So um, I just think that people need to get their head around the fact that they're carrying weapons, and so that's at least at the back of their mind. And that way, when something happens, they're not looking around their environment first. They're thinking about what they have on. 
right? What the, what they already have with them. Okay. So uh, yeah, uh, how's that? That that is that good enough? That's for you? cool. Yeah. What do you? No, I love those ideas. I no, I agree. You, I'm, I'm, you're a, grandpa, a lot of those are on my list. I've got, you know, I, mean, I generally always have a clip knife and a belt, and the the metal pens always come in as well, like a nice cross pen or something. Um, yeah. You got so debit cards. All, all those things have, fit. You know. Yeah, you got debit yeah. cards, credit cards, all kinds of things, right? And so what? You lose it in a dark alley because you threw it. You hit a guy in the eye, and then you couldn't find it because you ran, right? Great. As soon as you get to safety, you call credit card security. Have that one shut off, and they'll issue you yeah. a new one. So mm-hmm. done, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's not undoable as long as you're, you know, you got some pre-planning going on, right? I, yeah. I think people confuse the fact that the ninja is able to operate on the fly, and seemingly by the seat of his pants, and they confuse that ability with a lack of pre-planning. Okay. But the reality is that there's a lot of training and a lot of pre-planning and a lot of strategic thinking that goes into preparation so that you have as many options as possible to respond to whatever's happening on the fly. It's just, I, it's, it's a, it's a uh, what do you call that? Not a conundrum. That's a, that's a problem. It's a, um, shit, it's a C word. It's <laughs> <laughs> a C word. <laughs> Ah, it's gone. <laughs> It'll come back later, and I'll jump back in with it. Anyway, yeah, so. Uh, uh, that's excellent. Another one that comes to mind is I, I often find myself, um, you know, with like a either like a coffee in my hand or a yeah. water bottle. Uh, and both yeah. of those things, I think, oh, you know, those are those are great sight removers or distractors because hot coffee yeah, to the face the, or even a face full of water is uh, is going to afford you a moment. Right. To right. do something. So. Right. And, and even if you empty the cup, right, as long as you didn't throw the cup itself, right, you have, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, a bludgeoning weapon, right? So that falls under the – I know it's not literally a staff weapon, but if you think about what a staff weapon is, right, it's a blunt force uh, weapon, right? It's a clubbing weapon. Yeah. Uh, but even with the water bottle, right, who says you have to throw the water um, right away or who says you have to throw all the water? Right, if mm-hmm. the bottle's fairly full, just a flick at the top is going to send up an, out enough to keep it, you know, to, to do the distraction part, and then you can hold on to it. And inertia is going to keep that water in the bottle while you beat the skirt out of the guy with this water-filled plastic bottle, right? Yeah. So is water going to be flying around? Sure, right. But that's one of the lessons of Mitsubishi, right? And we, and we don't want to confuse. Uh, again, what we see in the like in the old videos or the old um, magazine articles that has me since I used to write and had all these you know he'd have all these pictures or do video uh, and he shows you know Mitsubishi being used, which the replacement so he didn't hurt the students was uh, talcum powder, right? So it gave mm-hmm. the right effect, right? Um, but you know he's just you know throwing these huge clouds, right? And it's all gone. Right, um, but that's not the way we were taught in the dojo. Right, mm. he's he's always said, right? Why, why would you let it all go? Right, you crush this thing in your hand. Now you have a handful of this stuff. So as you get out of the way, just let a little bit go at a time. And I think you were at a camp that we did one year, where yeah. um, we made Mitsubishi. Remember, we made yeah, the blinding right. powder itself. We mixed the ash with the with the sand with the pepper. All that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I taught you how to hollow out eggs. You filled those things and all that. And then we went out on the field and uh, yeah. used them, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So you use a little bit at a time uh, as you need to. And then once your hand is empty, it's not really empty because now your hands are covered in this <laughs> stuff, right? So, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, but again, it's, you know, often people would jump on, human beings are notorious for, Jumping to conclusions, making assumptions, wanting to shortcut the process, right? And so uh, often they they come to conclusions with very very little information, um, and there's no validation of the information either, right? And I think that's one yeah. of the important things that we need to look at is borrowing the scientific process. And I don't mean that you need to be a scientist, but you know you need to borrow the scientific process or do what we did as police officers. 
uh, and this is something that people miss when, you know, they start yelling about how, you know, this guy got screwed by the cops or, you know, whatever, right? All you have to do is look at the process, right? Did they double-check or triple-check the evidence? Did they get things from more than one source? If not, okay, then Tunnel Vision was involved, and, yes, somebody got screwed, right? But if they took it through this process where all evidence um, that was proven or that was presented, you know, was all validated two or three or four different ways and from, from different sources, and it all came up the same way, uh, yeah, nobody got screwed. Okay? So it's the same thing when we're, when we're looking at our stuff, right? Um, I think one of the biggest things that people need to do is they need to balance their their assumptions or their beliefs about what the training is and is not or whatever and do a little bit of historical research into ancient Japan, right? Um, and not just blindly believe TV shows or whatever. Even that uh, was it one called Ancient Warrior or something like that. Mm. What was that one called? Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time, right, with a – the Spartan went up against the ninja, and the ninja was throwing black glass. Yeah, yeah. Right. They were. Yeah, remember that? It was supposed to be the Mitsubishi, uh-huh. except they didn't right. have glass back then, you know? Yeah, with sand. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, right. So just because it has the word ninja on it doesn't make it so. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, so that, that's cool. Well, what else you got? Another thing, another thing I wanted to touch on was, and you kind of talked about this in our last episode, and, uh, you know, I've listened to some of the replays of a couple of your online classes, and I, I've heard you kind of hint at this, but, you know, that you have this practice each year of, of pulling a character off the mandala and kind of making that a focus for you for the year and and just thought you know you could expand on that a little bit more and how uh it might benefit some others listening into this on you know kind of doing that similar kind of practice with uh if you know a character off the mandala or from somewhere else that can help them kind of set set a goal for attaining and and pulling out certain you know characteristics in themselves that they need to expand on or uh improve upon yeah, uh, uh, first thing that people need to understand is that I'm coming at this from a personal development, personal mastery perspective. And so uh, either because I find that there's something that I need to work on to hone, like a personal personality trait or some kind of aspect that would allow me to get better results, right? So it could come mm-hmm. from that or like this year, I've set goals that are so high that I need to be kicking myself in the ass on a regular basis and I need mm-hmm. to be removing dead weight out of my way as I'm moving along, right? So, um, you know, I just uh, – if you're not there to help, then you're a hindrance or you're a distraction or whatever, okay? So – and this is not about students or whatever. This is just – you know, I, I need to I need to stay clear and stay focused on on those goals to make them a reality. So that's why I chose this character off the mandala that represents um, the uh, the force of enlightenment, right? Or the force of uh, that you know behind producing results and stuff. So this Fudo character, uh, Fudo means immovable, right? Uh, so, Fudo Myo, the immovable king, they're really gender neuter, right? So, uh, it could be immovable queen or whatever, but um, it's it's not about immovable like, uh, you know, you're stuck in the mud kind of thing, right? It's this, mm. uh, you, you are resolute in your commitment to make something happen, and nothing can move you away from that. Right, it's that kind of uh, immovability. I'm not going to be swayed by uh, the emotional, but you just don't understand. I'm not going to be swayed by somebody's anger or whatever, right? Um, You know, and that's uh, that's once I once I rolled that out to students as well. Said, look, you know, if you're if you're tired of screwing around this year or whatever then I am making an offer. You can get on the phone with me or we can, we can set up one of these uh, uh, coaching kind of things and uh, we will do a 30 to 45 minute kind of thing and I will tell you what you should be working on daily, weekly, 
monthly, right? Because uh, one of my guys, and now these are my private, well, my platinum guys. These are my inner circle guys, uh, not people that you just send me an email and go, hey, can I have one of those? Uh, no. Okay. Um, we can do a different type of call if you're serious about becoming a student, but yeah, no. Um, so uh, he knows where he is in the curriculum, and he's kind of stalled out. He's been stalled for a little while. And he said, you know what, I, I want to make my black belt by the end of the year. And that's hmm. going to be tight. It's going hmm. to be tight. And based on the way I do black belt testing, usually one in the spring and one in the fall, right? Mm -hmm. You know how that works because you've been in all sorts yeah. of things, right? Um, so I only do it twice a year. And so um, by the end of the year, it's going to be really tight. But um, I typically do a black belt test like somewhere between January and March, not by December, so he's not going to make it by September, October test. So, uh, and even you know, that's going to be tight doing it by that next test. But uh, I said, if you're serious about this, we'll get on the phone, and I will I will help you map out a plan of action that, if you stay committed to it, you'll make it. Okay, but that's where my involvement ends with the whole helping thing because as a solo student, you've got to kick yourself in the ass just like I've always had to kick myself in the ass because I've only ever seen my teacher for a couple of days to a week or two at a time. And then I bring home, come home with notes and all that, and I'm working on my own. So for anybody that ever thinks that my condition was different and I just don't understand their situation, and again, bullshit, right? Um, and again, we sound like an old man, right? Because back in the day, right, we didn't even have videos to put in your VHS player, right? And if you don't know what a VHS player is, you're too freaking young, okay? So <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so uh, so I, I, you know, I said it. Look, if you're committed to this, then good, let's do it, right? And there's a couple of them they can't meet at the same time or whatever, so I'm going to be doing a couple of these things over the next week um, to make it happen, but. Uh, you know, we're going to be planning out what they're doing daily, weekly, monthly, and how often they have to get video reviews to me so that I can, provide, I can be providing feedback and so that they can actually be moving forward and not just, quote, unquote, training, okay? Everybody's hmm. training, right? Everything is training, right? But what kind of progress are you making? And I don't mean, well, I learned a new technique. Okay, that's not progress. You added to a body of knowledge, but what did you do to increase your proficiency level with the things you already know? Because if that stuff's still shit, you've got no business adding on another technique. Does that make sense? And oh, I know, yes. I'm, again, I'm going to be disturbing people <laughs> with the language, but, uh, you know, you, it's, it's kind of like if you can't, you can't pay the bills on the – house and the car and whatever that you currently have, you have no business going out buying something else that's going to create another monthly payment, no matter how much you want that thing, right? Either drop some weight, the car, the house, whatever, downsize or whatever, or upscale or upgrade your occupation or your income or whatever instead of being led around by your feelings. I just had a conversation with somebody the other day about that. Do you know, it's been, my, it's been my experience, and maybe, I don't know if it's going on in your neck of the woods or not, but I have noticed that the word feeling or feel has replaced the word think in mm. uh, modern conversation. Yep. Have you heard that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's not true. Really? Yeah, right. right. I feel <laughs> like that wouldn't work. What is your basis for that feeling? Because feelings are the easiest things to manipulate and be wrong. Right. Right? Yeah. Feelings have nothing to do with objective truth. Right? I think, based on my experience and my, my understanding of how that thing is supposed to work, I don't think what you're doing is going to work. Okay, well, why don't you think that? Well, you know, X, Y, Z, right? Don't tell me that you don't feel like it will work. What is that? Right? So um, it, it's the same thing with the whole training thing. And I think in a, in a previous uh, coup did we talk about the void for vagueness thing? Or maybe that was uh, my, my long, with my long-distance guys. You know, laws can be yeah, rendered sure. void for vagueness. Oh, right? yeah, that was, uh, was Kudin, yes. 
people say, people say they're just training. You know, hey, I'm, I'm training every day. Really? How, what, how are you measuring your improvement? What kind of benchmarks are you setting? What kind of baseline have you established? Right? How will you know that you've gotten better? Well, I just feel I've gotten better. <laughs> oh, here we go again. Right? Because <laughs> I ask you to show me two or three techniques, and they're not what they're supposed to be, but you felt that they were, then you're going to feel anger at me because I told you that they weren't what you thought they were. Okay? Mm -hmm. What's the objective thing? And that's why, you know, having an instructor or a mentor or whatever that you can show things to. I mean, that's why students like going to class, right, because the teacher's right there. They do this stuff. The teacher can say yay or nay. They can work on it or whatever. But that's why in our long-distance training program, we have it wired in where there are these video reviews. Lots of people don't take advantage of them, but we have these video reviews so that people can get ongoing uh, feedback, right, on a regular basis that, yeah, okay, that, that, you know, whatever, right? And then when we think that they've got it all where, where it's, okay, you know, 80%, 90% kind of thing, then, okay, so let's, let's test out for rank now, okay? So I want to see this, this, and this. You know, send me a video. If you test it for black belt, you should probably plan on making a trip uh, because I typically only do those in person. Um, and if you're not doing it, if you're not coming to a seminar, then we need to be planning or scheduling a seminar in your area or pretty close that you can make it to so that I can test you one-on-one. -on -one. I typically do not do black belt tests um, by way of video because my black belt tests are divided into six segments or six uh, sections. Right, um, so uh, that's very difficult to do by video. I mean, it, it takes me probably three times longer than the video that you send to me to review it, provide feedback, and get that back to you, right? So if you send me a 15-minute clip, it's going to take me 45 minutes to do my work on my end for that 15-minute clip, yeah. right? Hmm. So can you imagine... You remember how long black belt tests were, right, when you went through them? Yeah. Right? We're talking yeah. about an hour and a half to two hours per student, right? Um, if there's a big group, we're looking at most of a day, right? So even if it's one student, those six sections, it's going to take hour, hour and a half, right? You're going to eat up an entire day of mine, um, you know. So, but of course, you know, the teacher's supposed to be there. Because that's his job, right? That's why I'm going to post that mentor, um, that mentor uh, uh, clip. And I know the thing that I'm going to be posting is uh, a guy talking about people who want to get into business. But the, the lesson about getting a mentor and what you should be doing and uh, whatever on your end, right, and the misconceptions and the, the flat-out BS that is in some people's heads about what the mentor is supposed to be doing and what their job is and uh, whatever. Uh, uh, that's just, it's spot on. So anyway, so uh, what, what, what were we just talking about? <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Somehow I, somehow I got dropped off there. Oh, were you? Yeah. No, oh, did you not even it, notice it was I was you. gone? Oh, now I feel well, I terrible. noticed that somebody dropped, but, you know, we have people that I piss off on a regular basis and they drop off, so <laughs> I just I didn't notice that it was Sheesh. you. I just saw the, I saw the, uh, the thing get one one person lighter, and uh, <laughs> sorry, didn't realize it was you. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't noticed that uh, it was gone. I mean, I wasn't gone. You I'm invisible sure <laughs> ninja, you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I know we uh, got anyway. uh, we got a question here on uh, I don't know if any others come in, but we have this question from Christopher. We do, and uh, he says, "Good afternoon, sir. I was curious. After completing the first four mods, at what level do you learn to put them all together, and when is it appropriate to use a comma?" Um, you have learned, uh, I think you may mean come I in in a street situation. In the eyes of the law, does that? Uh, just make you guilty of assault. So, a couple things to that. Chris, wow. what the hell are you talking about? No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. All right. So, no, I just I like throwing that out to people. Hopefully, he's chuckling on his end. Otherwise, he's going to be scowling when he comes to class later. Uh, let's see. So, 
after completing the first four mods, at what level do you learn to put them all together? And what is it appropriate? Okay, so uh, the way our modules are, are divided up, because I know some people are training in a whole bunch of other uh, programs by different people. Yeah. Uh, whatever. So um, the first four modules um, are loosely based on those uh, elemental modes, and, and um, it, they, they lead with the emotional kind of thing. So we're either being defensive or being aggressive or whatever, right? So I want people to get get um, get that part of training wired in, right? And I'm not here to debate whether that's the official Japanese way or not, okay? I mean, if that's mm. your thing, then don't train with me. I mean, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. cool with that, right? So, um, but it's a way for us to compartmentalize, compartmentalize the training and then look at the same skills, the same kamai or the same movements or whatever, right, from a defensive perspective, from an aggressive perspective, from an evasive perspective, and, and work out the different angles in the kionapo, eight-directional kind of things, right? Um, so the first four take us forward through those first, those four base things, right? So we're looking at holding your ground. We're looking at uh, strategic covering um, and tactical movement. We're looking at uh, direct, committed, uh, intercepting kind of thing, get them before he gets you. And we're looking at slippery evasiveness, um, that last-second tricky timing kind of thing, right? So mod, I, I could say mod five. Um, mod five though is not. Mod five is uh, it, it's a it's a prep for black belt. So what you're doing at mod five is you're reviewing things that uh, need some work, right? That you know need work or you need to bone up on them again because you didn't practice the way you should have. So you're doing that kind of stuff. Uh, but the techniques that are at Mod 5 are things that don't fit easily into those other four um, things, or they start to combine. Uh, they, they do combination things, but not not the same way, right? I mean, there's more sparring and all that. Um, but uh, there's combination of kicking, so you're kicking – uh, two or three times with the same foot at different targets before you put the foot back down on the ground. Uh, where at Mod 4, you did combination striking, right? Uh, but they were more of a trapping kind of thing. Um, uh, we're doing a bunch of stuff with Hicho there and uh, combining your uh, tie hen. So your uh, your uh, leaping and rolling and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but so I would say that the stuff goes together beginning when you make your shodan, because for us, uh, the rank of nidan uh, is the rank that you get from me when I believe that you can use this stuff and only this stuff to defend against anybody on the street, single attacker, throwing whatever they want, right? There's no pre-planning. This is not looking cool with a training partner. Uh, and I believe that you can use this stuff alone without falling back on high school wrestling or, uh, you know, something else, right? So uh, Showdown is where it starts to go together because that's when we start, start, we start dropping things that you might be holding on to as a forever truth. Hmm. Uh, by that I mean, and this is where it throws people off, where, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, the earth mode, so we're going to do this technique, this technique, or whatever, or fire, or whatever. And we're really talking about um, that committed, you know, that that part of aggression, right? And, um, you know, at, at Shodan, that's when I look at people and go, there really are no such thing as fire techniques, okay? The techniques that you were taught in Mod 3 when we were looking back at that com direct committed action were techniques that allowed us to teach that that mode and that emotional uh, state, or to teach you how to defend from that emotional state much easier. Okay, but they themselves are not "quote unquote" fire techniques or water techniques or whatever. Okay, so um, yeah, so black belt levels are where that stuff starts to get combined. Uh, because the goal now is to take the tools, and, and here's the analogy that I use a lot. So if you've heard this before, roll your eyes, but listen up and hear it again, right? <laughs> uh, I liken going through the training just like going through uh, mechanic school or going through art school or something like that, right? Um, where, because I think the word martial artist is, uh, is uh, or martial arts is deceptive, uh, deceptive because an art or somebody who's an artist, right, 
is somebody who's able to take basic elements that they've learned and combine those things and create something out of, you know, goop or dust or, you know, a pencil or whatever. You know what I mean? They can smack a rock and there's a statue or, you know, whatever, right? (laughs) Um, So they either were self-taught and there was a lot of trial and error until they got it right, or they went through a program and learned it that way and then went beyond what they were taught, right, and developed their own style or whatever. So uh, I I think that the first stage of training when people are moving from white belt to at least first-degree black belt, if not second, they should be seeing themselves and identifying themselves as a martial scientist uh, where they're learning the science, the strategic thinking, the tactical application and things like that of warfare, of self-defense, of uh, personal protection, combat, whatever you want to call it, right? Hmm. Uh, So... And, and that's the way our curriculum is laid out, right? So, um, uh, so if we if we borrow the analogy of going through mechanics school or going through art school or whatever, as you go through those modules, you're learning these things, you're learning these skills, you know, eight directional rolling, six directional leaping, four directional breakfalls, uh, you know, different fists and different shoulder dislocations and things like that, right? But you're learning them in a very controlled environment, even when we're doing kind of a loose sparring kind of thing, right? You're still kind of uh, still learning how to apply it. We just add more movement and more resistance and things like that, right? So as you learn these elements, these key home and these key home, no key home, the fundamental of the fundamentals, right, that's like learning tools in either art school or mechanic school. And as you learn each one, could be a certain type of brush or a certain type of uh, any kind of tool, right? Whatever, a torque wrench or whatever, right? So you learn these things and you, you do things with an engine. And yes, you're taking a part off and you're putting another part on or whatever, but you're not really repairing the engine because you haven't diagnosed anything. You're just following a lesson plan, right? So you're learning how the tool works. And then once you learn that and you understand it, then it goes in your toolbox and you work on the next tool or the next set of tools, right? So Shodan, at least the way we cover it, because my concern is not in somebody feeling good because they have a cool rank. And, I, you know, I don't care how they promote in Japan. I've been promoted through the Japanese system, and it makes me feel like shit personally because there's no way that I think that I'm the rank that they've given me. Um, you know, I, I think I know where I am. And so I work from there, right? But anyway, um, so Shodan or Nidan should be seen from the perspective of I now have a full set of tools, and now it's time to start producing results, okay? So to answer the question about... um, you know, knowing when it's appropriate to use a particular kamai or whatever that you've learned in a street situation, uh, you know, uh, how to how to uh, handle how the law sees things and all that, that's the black belt levels, okay? Mm-hmm. So by in the shodan to nidan level, and you may already have learned some of this along the way, but shodan to nidan for us is really where um, you, you are able to go with the flow, and that's just not whatever he's doing but your own emotional state and all that. So you just naturally gravitate toward a uh, certain kamai or whatever because that's what's happening emotionally for you or based on the, the legal circumstances or the situation that you're in or whatever, you know, you, you make this choice that this is going to be a, this is going to be the best base through which to control not just him and his actions, but also the perceptions of onlookers. Okay. Um, and then as we proceed on, we really get heavy into um, the uh, the, lo- the legal things um, at uh, between third don and fourth don. Okay, between third don and fourth don, that's where we take every one of your techniques and we look at making it disappear, hiding it, and making it look like it was an accident. Okay, so that. No one, you know, even if they were told that you were a, you know, XYZ level degree black belt, 
they would go, yeah, maybe, but this guy was peeing himself and stumbling, and uh, I don't know how he got out, but he ended up with the guy under him and whatever. But it all looked like a mistake, okay? Um, you know, where it looks like you just covered your head and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, were yelling for help, and this guy accidentally ran a pressure point or an eye joint or whatever onto your the tip of your elbow, right? And it looks like a complete mistake. That's the level where we're looking at defending against the perception of witnesses, the perception of any people, anybody that would run to this guy's aid if you start winning, and protecting yourself against the legal system. Okay, um, so that's way down the line. But see, since most people drop off after they get their black belt, right, or they run to Japan and get subjective rank or whatever. Um, one of the reasons why I put that farther down the line is because I don't want to be giving that kind of um, information and that kind of knowledge and ability to somebody who's going to misuse this stuff. So part of it is making people go through the tempering process of sticking around long enough to prove that they're an, up, you know, an upstanding kind of individual, uh, which is even more important with my long-distance people because I don't know them as well as my, my in-house guys, you know. Chris knows if he misuses this stuff, I know where he lives. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. And hit me with a cane or something. So yeah. anyway, uh, well, so I think I Sunbury. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Yeah, he is. He's uh, not too far away. Very cool. So, Very cool. Uh, Chris, I'm not sure if that answered your question completely, but uh, if you have a follow up to that, or if, if it did or didn't, um, toss something else out there so that I know, um, because this is how we're interacting. And, uh, you know what, let me open this thing up. Uh, I'm going to open it up back into interactive mode. Does uh, mm -hmm. anybody have any questions about anything that, that I've talked about or that uh, Eric brought up or whatever? Um, agree, disagree, uh, any follow-up questions for clarity, uh, anything? I don't know how many we still have over the webcast. We had uh, a dozen or half a dozen. Oh, over half a dozen. Um, over there, so uh, uh, yeah, so it take, takes an extra what is it, eighteen to twenty seconds or something, for people to hear us speak after we've said it. So we have to give them time to use that little text block to to post things. But uh, that's why we always jump to the guys on the on the call first. So I think Aaron's on here from North Carolina, and uh, oh, looks like we lost uh, Steve. Maybe I upset him. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe he, I, I, by the sound of it, he was working, so maybe not. So uh, he might listen to this in the future. All right. Um, bum, 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 bum. Not seeing any, see any other questions, questions on here. Nothing on the Kuden page. Nope. Nothing on the Kuden page. Let me just look at a one email thing that I have that people often send things on. While we're waiting for things to come in on the Q and A side on the webcast, uh, I don't know who that is. Spam. Alrighty then. <laughs> yeah. No time for spam. And I and I don't mean the ground up meat. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't see anything over there either. So uh, let's just double check right. back on the Q and A side. I don't even think anything. I don't even say anything, Chris. So maybe he, maybe I put him to sleep. Who knows? All right. Any good jokes? Oh no, I'm terrible at jokes. Oh well. Oh well. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we used to have a bunch of ninja jokes. I got you to laugh. I guess I'm not too yeah, bad. Yeah, right. Well, you know, am I laughing with you or at you? Um, <laughs> yeah. One of the things we used to have way back in the day, um, and now we could just change the change the the, the joke a little bit. Uh, back in the 80s, uh, the joke was uh, how many ninjas does it take to change a light bulb? Right, because you know, the the one I think the joke originally started as how many. Uh, Polacks or how many blondes or you replace it with whoever sure. you like picking on, right? Uh, right? Does it take? 
And the original joke was uh, five, one to hold the light bulb and four to turn the ladder, right? But <laughs> for the ninja joke, that was changed because I thought I knew the answer when somebody says, how many ninjas did they? And uh, that wasn't it. One was uh, the, the joke was, how many ninjas it take to change the light bulb? Five, one to, one to change the light bulb and four to write books about it. And now I could say, you know, one to change the light bulb and four to make YouTube videos and online programs about it or whatever, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, this is my year of <laughs> dropping dead weight. After that one uh, after that one episode, oh, yeah, I told you about that one, right? I made that one change, and uh, 33 people unsubscribed in one day. As a matter of fact, I think it was over the course of like two hours. That was awesome. That saved me some money. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trim I had a lot of money. Fact. I have email list and sending out free email newsletters, and they're just free on the other end. I'm tossing a whole bunch of money at this stuff. So, um, you know, hosting and security and all kinds of stuff. So, this is the teleseminar thing. This this uh, thing that we do the program on, right? It's not free to me. So. Uh, so I get as much use out of it as possible to make it worth my while. Anyway, oh, looks like Chris. Here from did, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, sir, about the legal aspect of you uh, with the police. Okay, yeah, yeah, good. Okay, and I'm an ex-cop, so um, I'm, you know, I'm pro-police, but at the same time, uh, I also had enough experiences to know that some people in whatever occupation, short cut the system, right? And for for a lot of people that I hear, you know, complaining that the cops aren't trained well enough or the cops are, you know, they don't have exercise good judgment or they, uh, whatever, right? Um, they need to go look in the mirror because, you know, um, they are doing the same thing. They just aren't carrying guns or whatever, but that doesn't mean you're not screwing up people's lives. So anyway, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so how is California these days? Oh, Besides better than it's most on the West places, and then in that in that it's warmer than most places right now. It's uh, sunny hmm. and probably I don't know, fifty-seven outside. So, yeah, okay, <laughs> I can't complain. What did we hit? We hit thirty-two today, I think. Ooh, all yeah. right. Well, based weather. on that, based on that freaking uh, that uh, what they call that uh, something bomb that came through the bomb cyclone. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. We have minus six, minus seven in the morning, right? Um, yeah, this is a freaking heat wave because it was nice and warm <laughs> in the sun. So right. Everything is subjective, right? Oh, yeah. So to, uh, yeah. to some people on the planet, you know, minus six or minus seven is like, dude, let me know when it's, <laughs> you know, minus 40. Yeah. So, well, I run know. into that now living here from after living out there for over a decade of time that, you know, I come here and I really notice when people are like, oh, my gosh, it's so cold. And, you know, it's 55 and right. <laughs> that's not <Yeah>. cold. <laughs> come on. But now that I've been out here for a couple of years, I've reacclimated. And so now I'm right. with them. I'm like, man, it's yeah. so cold out here. It's only 55. Yeah. yeah. Now you'll be coming back in here and freezing your nunnies off. <laughs> right. Not that you have any reason to come here and visit, but uh, – Oh, I have many. We keep talking about setting up a seminar out in your uh, your area, right? You're near what? San? Are you near San Diego, or where are you near? Um, just north of Sacramento. 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 Yeah. Northern. Holy crap! California. You're way north. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could spit and hit Oregon. Yeah, or yeah, Washington? probably. Washington. No, Washington. no, it's Oregon. It's Oregon. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, two, two and a half hours, I think, from the Oregon border from here. Maybe yeah, three. See, that's yeah. that's how long it takes me to get to the New York Pennsylvania border. So yeah. <laughs> not that far. No, I'm only <laughs> I'm only about two and a half hour drive to San Francisco. Uh Sacramento's only about a half hour or forty minutes away from here. I think so. that's back. Two and a half hours? Two and a half hours will get me in the middle of upstate New York on the way to Niagara Falls. Probably do that in three hours. So yeah. That's a little bit farther then, but um, I thought you were closer to Southern California than Northern, but I guess not. You're nope. on Sacramento. Holy cow! Yes. Good thing I know. Good thing I know my geography. I just didn't know where you were. I didn't have a pin on my map. <laughs> if you if you drink prune juice, uh, it likely came from Yuba City, which is where I work. 
because uh, the Sunsweet Factory is here, which makes prune juice. Oh, so. I don't, but thank you very much for that piece of information. <laughs> I'll think of you if my doctor suggests it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. It's a good claim to fame, I think. <laughs> good as any, I guess. All right, what does Pennsylvania have? Well, we have the first... Uh, organized prison, right? We have uh, uh, Eastern State Penitentiary, which is now a museum. But uh, that was the first. The Groundhog. One. You guys have the Groundhog. Uh, yeah, but he keeps changing. They, they just don't tell us that you know this is like Phil the Seventeenth or whatever. I mean, you know, <laughs> Groundhog. Yeah. Six more weeks of winter. Well, if I look at the calendar, you're absolutely right. Six more weeks of winter. <laughs> uh, sure does make for a good show and a good movie, huh? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I don't see anything else. Let's see. No, nothing else has come in, and no one else has spoken up. So, I think we should wrap right. this up. Yeah, yeah. Until again. next uh, next week. Next week or next show? You're the one that's always like off. I I was sick once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Work always gets you get in for my being way. a high potentate. <laughs> <laughs> if people just didn't want so much of my time, it'd be all right. No, I know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's why you get paid the big bucks. Uh, in theory. Yeah. <laughs> that's the theory. It's always the theory. It's a nice sentiment. Right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. All right. Okay. Let's wrap this up well, and yeah. Talk to everybody, everybody, uh, everybody, be safe. And remember, if you have questions between now and, and our next episode, uh, best way post those up to the Kudin page on uh, on Facebook, or you can email them uh, as well. But Facebook always a good way to reach out with your messages. So thanks again for yeah, joining go to us. dot com forward slash what is it podcast and subscribe yeah. to the list. And that way, if you're not on Facebook. Uh, that's okay. You can subscribe and then know when the shows are coming out. If we post anything extra, uh, send out little notices or anything like that, right, that, that goes to the Kuden subscribers, um, you'll be first one to know. Right? Yeah, send that you get that, that notification. That group before we send it to anybody else. Yep. That's right. Okay. Well, everybody, uh, have a great uh, have a great weekend. Till next episode, and uh, stay safe. Thanks for joining us on Kuden. Thank you for listening to Kudet, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com.